You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to another episode of the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. I'm your host, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. This podcast show centers around the book that I wrote called The Divorced Christian. It's not yet available, but I'm using some of the teachings from the book um, to give the teachings in this podcast show. And in my discovery of really just taking a focused look at divorce, I discovered that our teachings have been Uh, grossly erroneous on this topic and on this subject. And I thought it was important um, to provide a book that expressed a very different view, very different teachings on the subject of divorce. And it's very scriptural. And so during the last several episodes, we've been looking at several scriptures. So very specific ones where divorce is mentioned. Uh, We've been pointing out the error uh, in the teaching to help us get to the point that Jesus was really making. If there's error in teaching, we mistranslate a word. It means that our understanding of the point being made now changes. And so the argument that's being made is that we didn't, we missed entirely what Jesus was saying to that audience because we mistranslated a word. And so our focus has been on the word divorce in many of these passages of scripture and it's, that is the mistranslated word. And so because of that, we've missed what Jesus was teaching them in that particular time, era, and setting. And so we've just been going back, reexamining some of these scriptures, um, going into the concordance, looking these words up so we have a clear understanding of what Jesus was saying. So one passage was Matthew chapter 5. Um, the verse would be verse 31 where it says, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her, that is divorced, committeth adultery. Another passage we've looked at is in Matthew 19. And this goes down to verse, well, it begins at verse three, where the Pharisees came and asked Jesus a question. Is it lawful to put away uh, your wife for every cause? Jesus responds. But we've been looking at the passage of scripture at verse nine, where Jesus said, whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for fornication and shall marry another committeth adultery. Whosoever marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Another verse we've been looking at is in Mark chapter 10. And uh, it's, I mean, they all pretty much say the same thing, which is the point that Jesus is reiterating a point over and over and over. The problem is we have completely missed the point Jesus was making. So in Mark chapter 10 at verse 11, he's having this conversation with the disciples. It's really the same conversation from Matthew chapter 19. But in Mark 10, 11, it says, he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. 
And so there's quite a few teachings on these passages of scripture. One teaching is that God never permitted divorce and that uh, once married, we're married for life. Another uh, teaching is that once divorced, then you can't remarry because then it's considered adultery. And so if you go back and listen to episodes four and episodes three, I really took the time to go through this to bring some real understanding of the error in those teachings and why we end up missing it. So just real brief and quick, the word used in all of these passage is apolio, A-P-O-L-Y-O. This is a, a Greek word and the word means to let go. It means to release. It means to send away or to bid to leave. Um, the concept of a polio is the concept that we use today of a separation. And so the man and the wife separate from each other. But what we've done is we've translated this word a polio to mean divorce. Now, we all know a separation and a divorce is not the same thing. If a person is separated, that means they're still married to a person. They may not be living in the house. Um, they may even have moved away. But if you're still married to someone, have not gone through a legal divorce process, then you are still that person's husband or that person's wife. So that is not the same as divorce. There is another word used in the Greek for divorce. It's apostasion. And that word means divorce, divorcement. It means uh, repudiation. And so, or to repudiate. And so that's the word. And Jesus does use that word. And in, in Matthew 5, he uses that word. But then when he goes through the explanation, but, I, but now I say, he does not use the word divorce again. So when you go through many of our Bible translations, our current translations, they use the word divorce. I found that half of the translations use the word put away. So that word apolio is the same word as put away. But that takes on a whole different context of what Jesus was talking about. That's like saying being engaged is the same as being married. And I've heard people say this, but everyone that's married, no, that's not true at all. Um, or even living together. If people say, well, we live together, it's the same as being married. It is not the same. Um, entirely different. And even legally, is, is different. The way the legal process is handled, um, especially when it comes to a marriage, um, a person's debt, a person's assets, all that is a part of the marital process. When a marriage is dissolved, they sit and they go through the assets to figure out who is entitled to what. And there has to be an agreement made. If no agreement is made, then the judge will intervene. But when two people are either uh, engaged or or not even to that level, just living together, it's not the same process. And so what we've done is we've translated the word apolio or separated to mean divorce. And in this case, we're dealing with individuals that are married and then they separate. And so if they go off and they become somebody else's wife or become somebody else's husband, now what we have is the sin of adultery because they are still in a marital covenant with their initial spouse. So this is the message Jesus was conveying to them. Now I want to make this point again, and maybe let's go back to 
uh, Matthew chapter five. I think, I mean, they're all saying the same thing. So let's begin in Matthew chapter five. If you go down to verse, verse 31, it says, whosoever shall put away his wife, that word there's a polio or to separate, whosoever shall separate from his wife. I mean, they're already married. This is not a pre-marriage situation. It says, let him give her a writing of divorcement. At verse 32, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, a polio, whoever shall separate from his wife, except for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, and that's the wrong word. Look it up in the concordance, you'll find the word apolio. Whoever shall marry her that is separated, that is put away, that has been sent away, committeth adultery. And the reason is because she is still married to her husband. Now, let's deal with a very critical part of this conversation. And this is another extremely erroneous teaching that we've done for many, many years. I've heard it this, taught this way since I was a child. So where Jesus said, except for the cause of fornication, we've drawn the conclusion that when it comes to fornication, Jesus is saying that now if fornication is discovered, adultery is discovered in the marriage, then you can now divorce your spouse. We've taught it this way for many years. Some go as far as to say adultery is the only reason a person can get divorced. And they're saying that Jesus laid this teaching out. Jesus outlined this teachings for us. And then we'll quote Matthew 5, we'll quote Matthew 19, we'll quote Mark 10. We highlight the adultery part. What I want us to go back and notice in this passage where Jesus is teaching, number one, in Matthew chapter four, at the end of that chapter, at verse 25, it outlines who Jesus is talking to. It says that there was a great multitude from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Now, if you look up the city of Decapolis, Decapolis was a, it was called 10 cities. So I'm highlighting the fact that Jesus is speaking to Jews. These are Jews, Hebrews. They knew the Jewish culture. They knew the Jewish law. They know the law of Moses. This has been instilled in them since birth. Everyone, man, uh, men and women, they were all taught the laws of Moses. Then he says to them in Matthew 5, the teaching begins, and he's talking about blessed are the poor, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek. So this is a sermon that Jesus is giving to them. And he says at verse 17, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Which means Jesus is not going to turn around and make alterations to the law of Moses. The listening audience would have known if you're saying, if you're making changes to the law. So with that being said, what did the law state in regards to adultery? And this is where the teachings have been extremely erroneous because we as Christians have taught Jesus established at this moment that if your spouse commits adultery, then you have the right to divorce them. That does not line up with the law of Moses. 
But let's dig into the law of Moses so we have some clarity on what happened when adultery was discovered in a marriage. Now, most Christians are familiar with the Ten Commandments. It says, thou shalt not commit adultery. We're familiar with that. And for some reason, we think that Jesus was teaching grace. But once again, Jesus was not changing the law of Moses. He was not making alterations. So here, we, we know that committing adultery is a sin. But what was the consequence of the sin of adultery? Let's go to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. Leviticus 20, verse 10. And it says, the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Now, what I want you to notice, he's not talking about the women cheating. He's talking about the man cheating. The man that committeth adultery with another man's wife. He shall, or he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. Here's the crazy part. Both of them died. The man and the woman. Throughout the scriptures, you see this pattern as the Pharisees and even the scribes would come to Jesus and they, on many occasions, tried to trap him to get him to violate the law. So they looked at him as a rabbi. They looked at him as a prophet. But they, they wanted to basically entrap him. But then they could bring him to the Sanhedrin, bring him to the, the courts, and have him arrested, have him charged, possibly have him killed. But you see this throughout the scriptures and there's different conversations. I won't take the time today to go through those conversations. But what's interesting is Jesus always, his knowledge and understanding of the law, when they would debate the laws, they could not beat Jesus. He knew not only the law, he understood which laws superseded other laws. And he also understood Old Testament examples. And he would give them examples Remember the time when David had this experience. Remember the time when this occurred. And he's helping them to understand the execution of the laws of God. Here, these were men, uh, the Pharisees, scribes. They, they, they believe themselves to be the, the great interpreters of God's law. But Jesus was pointing out to them that they didn't quite grasp the law. So he would hammer them with certain angles that they, had, they weren't prepared for. And so in one of these confrontations, the Pharisees caught a woman in the act of adultery. And it says that they brought her to Jesus in the very act, and they asked Jesus what should be done. So in John 8, it says that they had caught this woman in the act of adultery. This is the scribes and the Pharisees. They brought her to Jesus because it was a morning and he was there teaching the people. So now this is not just them bringing a woman to Jesus. He has a multitude gathered that he's teaching to. And then they say to Jesus, now Moses in the law commanded us that should, that such should be stoned. This is John eight verse five. And then they said to Jesus, what do you say? You're challenging Jesus on the law. 
So once again, Jesus did not come to change the laws. He stated that himself. And yet all of our teachings on these particular verses are a complete change to the law of Moses. So now they're questioning Jesus. This is what Moses' law say. What do you say we should do? Now, I want to point out the fact that Jesus never said the woman shouldn't be killed. He never said she shouldn't be stoned. But what Jesus did he, was he took a approach to this situation that they were not expecting. And the scripture says that he bent down. He began to, to draw in the sand there. And then he makes a statement to them. You without sin cast the first stone. Now, understand this. When they sinned as Jews, as as part of the tribe of Israel, they were required to bring sin offerings to the priest. They were uh, required to be cleansed. The, the, law, the law had all these, these offerings and sacrifices that had to be made when sin was committed. And so I'd venture to say that these men had committed sins and had not gone to the priest. They didn't offer the sin offering. They didn't offering the requirements by the priest so that they might be cleansed. Jesus knew this. And so he was lumping them all really in the same category. In the book of James, it explains that you can't make the argument that, that well, uh, I'm not a killer, but if you're a liar, and I think he might have used a different example, but if you're a liar, you still broke the law of Moses. So you can't make the argument, well, I don't kill. That's fine, but you do lie. And James explains that if you break one idol, one, one small part of the law, if you break one of the commandments, then you have broken all of them. You're guilty of breaking all of God's laws. That makes you all a transgressor. So everyone standing there had transgressed the laws of God. And Jesus is pointing that point out to them. He's not clearing the woman of adultery. He's not saying she shouldn't be killed because she broke the law. He's saying all of you should suffer the consequence for breaking God's laws. And so they walked away and they left the woman. And then Jesus addressed her sin. He said to her, go and sin no more. That means that he recognized she was a sinner. God viewed her as a sinner. She had committed a sin. But now he's giving her forgiveness. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. But he did that without violating the law of Moses. So back to our point in Matthew 5, Matthew 19, Jesus was not making changes to the law of Moses. Now, if you look up in the mitzvah, the mitzvah means the commandments. There are 613 mitzvahs, 613 laws of Moses. There is a law that he put in place that is connected to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. Now, Leviticus 20, verse 10, I'll read this again to you. It says, the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. If you look it up in the mitzvah, it says death by strangulation. Now, you don't find that in the, in the scriptures. And if you go to the website, thedivorcechristian.com, I have a link 
to uh, two different sources that list the mitzvahs, the, the commandments of God, and take the time to read them. It's extraordinary to read all 613 laws of Moses. But it explains that the requirement was death by strangulation. The Pharisees and the scribes, they bring the woman to Jesus, and they said to him, Moses required this woman to be stoned. So death was the normal process in which adultery was handled according to the law of Moses, according to Jesus' time. He did not make alterations to that law. For Jesus to have stood there and told a group, a huge multitude, people from Decapolis, people from Galilee, from Jerusalem, people from all these, these multiple areas in, in Israel, that now you can go and get divorced for adultery, they would have been in uproar. This man has just violated and changed the law of Moses. And let me point this out, where he made the statement before this about adultery, um, about the divorce. He makes a statement that if a man looks upon a woman with lust in his heart, he has committed adultery. That is not a change to the law of Moses. If anything is providing insight to how God sees the heart, it's not about the actions. It's not about the deed that is committed it is about the intent of our hearts and minds. It's about um, our thoughts and attitudes towards one another. They said that if we, if we look at somebody with hatred in our heart, then we are no different than a murderer. No, I didn't kill them. But before you get to the point of murder, there is an issue in the heart. So that's what God is judging, not the action, the intentions, the intentions of the heart. It was important that we understand this. Jesus did not alter the law of Moses. Another point that I'd like to make in the Jewish divorce process, and we're going to really get into this because what people don't realize was in the marriage contract, it, it already stipulated what would transpire if a, if a marriage was dissolved. Now we're talking about as a widow and as a divorce, if a divorce occurred before they were married, all of this was communicated and it was written down in the ketubah or in the marriage contract. And I think it's important we understand that. I don't know if Christians really grasp that concept. We only look at the marriage contract, but we never looked at the fact that the divorce, a divorce settlement was in essence added to their marriage contract. I guess we would view it more or less as a prenup. With this being said, the, the, the Jewish divorce process required the man to go to the rabbis, to the, to the priest, to the court system. This is what Moses instituted back in, in Deuteronomy. If I'm going to divorce my wife, I can't just put her away. I can't just separate. Now I got to give her a bill of divorce. We go to the court system. You cannot stand before the rabbi in state. I'm divorcing her for adultery because if that was the case, as you see with the Pharisees and with the scribes, the scribes were the ones that handled many of the court proceedings. They were part of the Sanhedrin. So if you brought a woman, my wife, 
to the Sanhedrin and said, I am divorcing her on the grounds of adultery, they would have said, according to the law of Moses, this woman shall be killed. Not just her, but the man she was committing adultery with as well. So now they're either going to be stoned or they're going to be strangled to death. And this sent a message to the city, um, to the communities, to their towns, to understand that adultery is a violation of God's law. Adultery will not be permitted among us. Um, And so this was a normal part of their culture. They understood the penalty and consequence of committing adultery. The reason we misteach it is because we don't understand Jewish culture and we don't grasp Jewish laws. And so we teach it from a very modern um, experience, from a very American experience. But no, adultery was not a, hey, you go your way, I go my way. But there was a consequence for that act committed within a marriage. So if a man brought his wife, accusing her of adultery to the priest, there was no way that she was going to be cleared and she could just get her bill of divorce and go on and live her life. No, she died. Which means now that this teaching here from Jesus takes on a whole different context, complete different meaning. And we have completely missed what Jesus was really saying to that audience on that day. We don't have the time on today to go through it. I think by next week we should be able to tackle it now that we got these these critical errors explained. Then we can go back and plug in truth and accuracy to really get an understanding of what Jesus was saying. But what I'm going to do on next week, because there's a second part to this. So it wasn't just that if a woman was caught in adultery, they were killed, her and the adulterer. But what about a a accusation of adultery? And this is fascinating when you understand Jewish culture and law. There was a process that priests had to go through to exonerate the woman or find her guilty On next episode, we're going to go through this particular law. Thank you for joining us on today. Remember to like, please share our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.